Vasudevasutam devam Tansujanuramardanam Devaki paramarandam Krishnam vannev jagatguram Hi and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be the best version of yourself by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. We will be simplifying and learning how to apply these lessons in our daily lives to optimize the outcome in any situation. Today, in this time of COVID quarantine, my husband Sunil is joining me in this podcast. Hi there. So tell us, Shamila, what is the Bhagavad Gita and where did it come from? The full name of the book is actually the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, which literally translated means the Song of the Supreme God. It's a conversation between Lord Krishna, who is God, incarnated in human form on earth, and his friend and disciple Arjun. This conversation took place approximately 5,000 years ago, during the events of the Hindu epic, the Mahabharata. The Mahabharata is one of the greatest stories in Hindu philosophy. People study it for years to get an understanding of the complexity of the characters and the situations, and the morals and lessons to be learnt from the story. But I'm going to give you the lightning quick Twitter version here. It's a story of good versus evil, but it's not as simple as that. Even the good characters have their flaws and are certainly not perfect, and the evil characters have their moments of kindness and good in them. But essentially it's a story of good versus evil. So on the good side, we have the main character Arjun, and he's one of five brothers, and together they're called the Pandavas. And the evil side is Arjun's cousins, the Kauravs, and they are a hundred brothers. They're all raised together in the same palace from childhood. And as they grow older, the Kauravs are consumed by jealousy and resentment towards their far superior cousins, the Pandavas. So over time, as the cousins grow, the Kauravs resentment and jealousy turns into hate and criminal activity. And conversely, the Pandavs become the warriors, the peacekeepers, the upholders of truth and righteousness. And of the five brothers, Arjun is the biggest, baddest, strongest of them all. And after decades of trying to avoid war against their cousins, the Kauravs, the Pandavas find themselves unable to avoid it any longer, and Arjun is leading the battle against the Kauravs. And so both sides are gathered, the Pandavas on one and the Kauravs on the other. Arjun's best friend happens to be Krishna, God himself, and Krishna agrees to be the charioteer, to ride Arjun's chariot while Arjun fights the war behind Krishna. And the battle cries are about to begin. The two sides are facing each other, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of troops facing each other. And it's at this critical moment that Arjun looks at the opposing side and realizes the devastation and destruction that will be caused to both sides in this war. And even though God is on his side and God is indeed encouraging him and guiding his chariot, Arjun has a massive panic attack. 
and an existential crisis, as all of us do when we are facing what seem to be insurmountable odds or even any challenges, any difficulties, all of us face doubt and fear and anxiety and confusion. His inner conflict between his duty as upholder of truth and warrior for peace and justice, the fact that that duty now means that he has to fight and destroy and kill his own flesh and blood is just too much for him. So he puts down his weapons at this critical moment. He turns to Krishna and he says, I'm so sorry, but I can't do this. Let's call the war off. Krishna knows that this is a crucial turning point in history. And so he stops time and he guides Arjun out of his confusion and gives him the clarity and courage to do what he needs to do, to perform his duty and fight the war. And this conversation between Krishna and Arjun is called the Bhagavad Gita. Very interesting. So why start this podcast on the Bhagavad Gita? What is so special about this particular text? Look, I have no authority on anything except for the fact that I've been teaching for almost 20 years. And I've taught people from all age groups, from four years old to 40 to 70. And I realized that everybody looks at me blankly in their first class thinking, are you going to show me the money? (laughs) And the truth is that everyone wants something that's going to make their lives better and their lives easier and something they can apply and something they can use. In my humble opinion, the Bhagavad Gita is really a guide to life. It's the book that gives you the most constructive, practical ways to change your life for the better. And it gives you concrete examples of what to do and what not to do and the results of that. Like we're all kind of going through life winging it. At least I was. I I tried to be a good person, but I really don't know what that means other than trying not to shout at my kids. Um, And your husband. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, usually failing at both. You know, the Gita just gives you such practical advice on how to control your anger, how to stop it before it starts. Why should I be positive? Why should I be kind to people? The whole of the Bhagavad Gita is about how to improve our lives from the smallest change to the biggest overarching long-term goal and what that does to ourselves, what it does to our families, what it does to the society we create, and then the ripple effects to the world around us. It's just a brilliant book full of constructive advice for ourselves and our interactions with others and humanity. And it's just amazing the practical life lessons that you can apply from this one small text. Through our daily actions, our thoughts, our mindset, or even how we talk, we can evolve and become wiser, stronger, and better at everything we do through our actions. It's acting well, just like we sleep well, eat well, exercise well. This is acting well to evolve and become stronger and healthier. And that's why I just wanted everybody to know what's in this brilliant book. It's really the ultimate self-help guide on how to live your life skillfully, how to act with skill, how to minimize 
conflict and when you get into conflict, how to maximize the chances of resolving that conflict peacefully. It's just brilliant and it's practical and it works. Excellent. Show us the money. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that we should know before we get started on this journey? Thanks for asking that. That's a great question. The Bhagavad Gita is actually written in Sanskrit. So there's a few words that are in Sanskrit that I'll keep referring to, but the main four I'd like to discuss right now. So the first concept is dharma. Most people translate dharma to the word duty in English, but that's not quite accurate or complete. Dharma means a lot more. Dharma means doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. It means doing the right thing given your age, how old you are. Your dharma at two is going to be very different than your dharma at 20. So it means doing the right thing given your age, given your chosen path in life, given the time you're living in, the laws of the country in which you are, the people involved in the situation, and your education and ability. Basically, dharma means doing the right thing at the right time, at the right place, to the best of your ability. So that's the first concept. The second one is yoga. Now, there is a literal translation. The literal translation of yoga in English is actually union. In the Bhagavad Gita, yoga means the union of a human with God, Lord Krishna, the force, Mother Nature, the universe, whatever you wish to call this power. So that's the union we're talking about. When we experience this union, we feel completely in sync with life and feel that the universe is with us in this moment. You know, from Star Wars, may the force be with you. (laughs) That's what yoga means in the Bhagavad Gita. And at this moment, we are empowered and we're at peace. Each chapter of the Gita is titled the yoga of something, the yoga of dot, 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 because each chapter of the Gita discusses multiple methods and ways to train yourself to achieve this union. It could be by being kind to somebody. It could be by having a positive attitude. Like I said earlier, controlling your anger, doing public service. There are many ways to profoundly change our actions for the better, all of which are explained in detail in the Bhagavad Gita, and all of which leads you to having union with God. And in those moments of union, the goal is to have that feeling of being empowered and at peace all the time in those moments it's like do you remember Michael Jackson's video of Billie Jean do you remember when he was when he was walking around and every step he stepped on lit up underneath him because you know he was so cool it's that kind of feeling that is union when the hand of God when the power of the universe is at your back all the time and guiding you along that's yoga that's union and Every piece of advice in the Gita leads to you achieving that union with God. So that's the second concept. May yoga be with you. Right. (laughs) Very good. Okay, the third one is, of course, biggie that everyone loves to talk about is karma. The literal translation of the word karma is simply action. Therefore, when we do something good, this is called good karma. And when we do something bad, this is called bad karma. But what people are usually most interested in is actually one's karmic account, which is also referred to as karma. 
the karmic account is your accumulation of good and bad deeds for which the consequences, if they haven't come immediately, they'll come in the future. If someone does something bad, we always say, well, why did they get away with it? According to karma, they've only gotten away with it now because it wasn't their time to reap that karmic consequence. But that action has gone into their bank account for the future. Similarly, if I'm nice to somebody, if I do something good, why didn't they help me back? You know, why didn't something good happen to me? I'm such a good person. Well, if it doesn't come to fruition now, that also goes into my bank account for the future. And there are many reasons why things don't come to fruition in the moment. Maybe I'm still reaping my karmic account of the past and it's not time for that karma to come to fruition now. But anyway, karmic accounting is our bank account, the storage of good and bad that we're going to reap in the future. Does that make sense? It does, but I, I need to start doing some more good deeds. <laughs> we all do. Okay, at the most basic level, the theory of karma boils down to one simple phrase. As you sow, so shall you reap. Yep, understood. Okay, all right. So be careful what you're sowing because you're going <laughs> to reap it. And the last important term I'd like to discuss right now, it's one of the core beliefs of Hinduism. It's reincarnation. Hindus believe that the soul is a fragment of God and is eternal. And it goes on forever and the soul enters a body and breathes life into it in utero. And then that body is born and the soul living in the body goes through childhood, youth, adulthood, old age. And when the body dies, the soul then leaves the body and enters another body taking its karmic account with it. So that's, that karmic account is really important. It doesn't end when you die. I hear you, I hear you. It uh, continues on to your next life. And those are the four main terms I think we need to know before starting the Bhagavad Gita. Great, great. Thanks for letting us know. And one last thing I just want to talk about is that Gita Gil's objective is not to confuse you with complex terms and Sanskrit words, but it's objective is to clearly explain the brilliant concepts in the Gita and to make them easily understandable and applicable so we can evolve from unconscious autopilot bad behavior shouting overreacting being in a lousy mood generally being mean and evolve from that kind of unconscious uncaring behavior to wisdom and discerning conduct where we actually know what the right thing to do is, what the wrong thing to do is, and we can actually consciously make those decisions for ourselves rather than being on autopilot and just going about our lives winging it. Sounds amazing. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, thank you for your enthusiasm. You're very sweet. I won't shout at you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're going to discuss all these four concepts in much more detail in future podcasts. So please look at our website, geetagirl.com, and feel free to ask us questions so we can try and answer them in future podcasts. Thanks for listening, and Jai Sri Krishna. Vasudevasutam